I'm I'm very optimistic person. So I think that the state is going to continue down its uh, its march of tyranny. I think it's going to continue to expand its power. It's going to continue to destroy itself through inflation. Um, they're going to roll out their surveillance currency, and it's going to piss people off. And um, Bitcoin's going to be there waiting on us, and it's going to keep chugging along. And I think that we mentioned jurisdictional arbitrage. I think we will see it here in the States. Um, but I, I'm super, super confident that Bitcoin will prevail. It's the right side of history. Bitcoin is the light in this darkness of the world right now. Um, and I have to believe that the, the light will shine through. Welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. My name is Alex, and today my guest is Joe Rogers from Bitcoin Magazine. I had a lot of fun talking with him on a range of uh, topics ranging from uh, mining Bitcoin at home, ridiculous bans of gaming computers in California and other states, as well as 3D printed guns. And he showed off his Mac Daddy, which is a gun that he printed at home, which is pretty cool. Uh, before we get into the episode, Max Kaiser is coming to Arizona Phoenix, or in Phoenix uh, August 19th. I'm really looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a Bitcoin conference meets comedy show meets Bitcoin meetup with a bunch of awesome plebs. And I definitely am looking forward to it. And I hope to see you there. Uh, make sure to buy a ticket. You can find it. I'm sure Max is going to be posting about it a lot. I'll be posting about it a lot on uh, Twitter, but you could search it. It uses a service called Eventbrite. It's going to be a ton of fun. Really looking forward to it. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Joe. Cool. We're recording. Good to have you on, Joe. Thanks for uh, doing this. I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm pumped to have you. Skeef talks really highly of you and uh, um, been enjoying. Uh, I don't really participate in dirt bags, but I listen every once in a while on a Friday night. It's a really solid group of people. And, yeah. It's uh, It's been uh, keep you sane through the lockdown. The, the dirt bag Friday, Al's lacrosse started in the uh, height of the pandemic mm-hmm. last year. I, maybe not the height, but. We're, we passed our one-year mark all, getting together on every Friday. And, uh, yeah, a good group of people there. Yeah, really. So I, th- I think I stumbled across it at one point early on when it started, um, when they were posting the link on Twitter. And uh, it's like, what did I get into? But, yeah. Yeah, I, I joined the Zoom link one of the first times. And uh, I got into the room, and there's a bunch of people there randoms that were all like ended up being long-time dirt bags but i'm sitting on the couch have my headphones on my wife is like what what the hell are you doing on a friday night what are you doing right now of course we're locked in our house it isn't like like what else am i going to be doing and i shut the computer real quick i was like oh nothing nothing i was kind of like embarrassed that i'm joining a, a group on a friday night to talk about bitcoin and then the next friday i joined i was like i'm joining this i'm talking i need this brotherhood and ever since then, um, it's been kind of like a family affair. She'll get on there and shit talk. And anyway, solid group. Highly recommend. Yep. Yeah. It's I, And there's some people in there that are in not so free parts of the world right now too, which I think is cool. Yeah. It's kind of global. 
the uh, they don't always join the video chat, but the chat room on Telegram um, it's pretty damn solid. People from all over the world. If you if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Al's Lacrosse um, on Twitter. You can find his personality there, and it's like the most meta meme ever. You know the story, right? Yeah, <laughs> Marty uh, Marty's bent. He can't say the word Al or Owl's lacrosse. So Owl's lacrosse became like a meta character and the rest is history. Now we meet up every Friday in his chat room. Yeah, I, I've been having Steve catch me up on some of the memes because I'm really behind the times with keeping up on stuff. <laughs> I yeah, don't there's know no like means. There's no like 101 on Bitcoin meme history. There should be. Yeah. That should Someone be. out there listening, make that happen. I'm sure somebody will. I I can't do it. I can't keep up. I don't know what Kagar is. I I just. Um, but yeah, speaking of memes, so you you retweeted uh, a few minutes ago that the Catholic Church in Miami is accepting Bitcoin. Is that a real story or is that just made up? Yeah, that's completely made up. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for calling that one out. That's I, meme warfare. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> someone, the guy who started that, he was literally so pissed off about mainstream media just fabricating stories and just being blatant lies. He said, we need to fab fabricate our own stories. He was um, motivated after that Israeli story got picked oh, up by Yahoo News. That was So we can do this more often. That so, was really funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the I, I hate the word mainstream media because I don't think it's mainstream, uh, but corporate media is just such garbage. It's just, it's so bad. Yeah, I, it um, it blows my mind whenever you have a deep knowledge of something. So, you know more deeply about Bitcoin than ninety nine percent of the population. So when you see a uh, journalist comment on, let's say, mining, for example, and you know that they're just blatantly wrong, it makes you it infuriates you as someone who actually knows facts. But then it makes you start to question, like, well they don't know shit about anything. They're just a journalist covering a story unless they're like a beat writer and they're covering it for like a decade. They're just writing a headline and covering a story. Um, so it makes you question how many stories out there are just complete bullshit. And I would say probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think journalism is definitely a hard thing. I, I had a pretty bad experience. Well, it wasn't awful, but I had an experience where I was misrepresented in the local news recently. So I sat down with the journalist for about 20 minutes and then uh, she took about three minutes of that interview and uh, put it, or sorry, uh, 30 seconds of that interview and put it on the news and then uh, suggested that I was saying that people are getting into Dogecoin because Bitcoin's inaccessible because the price is too high. And I just, I, I did, couldn't believe it. It's like, <laughs> so ridiculous. Like I'm so misrepresented right now. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to, you know, be like go out and try and get a retraction or something like that because nobody's going to read this story anyways and you know even if they do they wouldn't understand <laughs> so yeah it, it doesn't matter but good yeah. luck with the retraction yeah i'm not james o'keefe <laughs> you can't make demands no but yeah so i mean speaking of like just ridiculous news uh do you have any thoughts on uh all of these states banning gaming desktops I have a lot of thoughts, man. I think it's crazy. Um, 
I, I, would you expect anything less coming out of California? I mean, that's the first thing. I think the answer is no. Um, and, I, you know, I kind of followed or kind of fall in line with Marty's line of thinking, uh, you know, with this whole ESG narrative and it being just this Marxist ideology. And it's just completely ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's like they want to be the mor- morality police on how people use electronics as if there's not waste and other things that people are doing at their houses. It's just completely ridiculous that the state thinks that banning a, a computer that has a powerful GPU to game on is going to benefit the state in some way. It just, it's completely r- ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what do you think? Oh, I think it's, I think it's really strange. Um, I, I think it kind of comes back to this idea of like, just being really silly that there's these people that that think they're in a position of authority to rule over others and determine you know what they can and can't do at the most minuscule level of like what type of computer you can own in your house yeah where does the uh what's next right i mean like people who don't care about gaming computers aren't saying anything but you know they just it will inevitably continue to grow its its power and that's the nature of the state it's vile it's disgusting. And the first principle would be like, hey, we need to figure out energy. We need to make energy cheaper and we need to invest more in energy production and harvesting energy. But California keeps signaling, you know, they've got a bunch of woke running the show there and they just want to keep um, making it more difficult for energy producers. And they keep going towards the unreliable energy sources rather than like tried and true uh, methods. And it's, it's really sad, but I feel like uh, there's something out there that can fix these things. That's why we're on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just look, look at it, you know, from a free market standpoint, if people are using too much energy, then you would allow the prices of energy to rise, which would incentivize people to use less and be more efficient with the things that they use their energy for. And it's just, the fact that they're regulating things like that is like, they're not going after hot tubs. They're not going after swimming pools and they're sure as hell not stopping people from charging their Teslas, which use a a much more electricity than a gaming desktop does. Well, they know better and they're, they're protecting you and uh, they have better judgment than you as a consumer. The state knows best. They know how to allocate resources better than you could ever imagine. So yeah. Fuck you. So one of the things uh, Skeef suggested on uh, Toxic Airwaves was that this could be an attack vector towards uh, Bitcoin mining. Uh, do you think that that could be what we're seeing with this? Yeah, I mean, I've talked to him. I've talked to some others about it. And I feel like it's something that we should be pissed off about. And I feel like the whole Bitcoin mining council is a bit of an attack on Bitcoin because I feel like by just merely even entertaining this whole narrative of ESG, it's accepting it. And I think it's bullshit. Like Bitcoin, you plug it in the wall, it isn't polluting. You know, hot air comes off. Bitcoin mining doesn't pollute. It, it is only as clean as the power source that's bringing it to the mine itself. So it's like the state is just inserting itself again as this like moral police on how you can consume energy. And I, th- I think it is an attack. I feel like um, 
this is the lowest hanging fruit for an attack vector by the state. And I don't know. I really, I really hate it. I don't think it's good. Although that sailor interview with Marty and uh, Darren and, oh gosh, I forgot his name. The other fellow from GAM. Great interview. I think that was really solid. And I am sympathetic towards what Sailor was saying, uh, his point of view, but I thought it was really disingenuous that he wouldn't like even admit um, to some of the shortcomings of this, like what they're doing around ESG, what the motivations are by these big companies. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if he can admit that in a forum like that because BlackRock, you know, and Morgan Stanley, these companies that are promoting the ESG that have been with it early on own large portions of his company and have control over him to some degree. I read online though, that he still has um, like super shares. I don't know what the right term is for that, but he actually still owns, makes the decisions for the company. Yeah. I mean, if he was truly our hero, he would tell them all to go like climb a tree or something way worse than that. Uh, but look, Sailor's done some great things. He's really clear communicator mm-hmm. and it's really disheartening. I think the mining council, he tries to sugarcoat it like it's nothing nefarious. And I get it. The whole like, oh, there's a council for everything. There's a council for shoemakers, you know, like all this bullshit. I get it. That might fly, but Bitcoiner is very adversarial. We see it as centralization. We see it as bending the knee to the ESG narrative and we don't like bending knees. So especially when it's fucking ludicrous like this. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that, you know, the ESG movement is Marxist and I would agree with that, you know, with the policies that they're presenting, especially like I saw recently, we, we have Raytheon in Tucson, our, our friendly neighborhood ma- missile maker. Yeah. Um, but they were doing some, uh, critical race theory training at the workplace and that's all about you know promoting your ESG marketability uh, I I struggle to see why these elites would be embracing Marxism do you have any insight into that uh, I just think it's like power I mean that would be my first guess it's the expansion of power I th- all, like these um, massive companies, they can create these moats and they can work around these moats much easy, much more easily than a, a little guy. So I think that when they create these regulatory moats, it makes doing business a lot more difficult on smaller producers. So Joe Blow's mining rig in Arkansas is going to have a tougher time complying with regulatory framework than a BlackRock backed firm they're going to be able to buy carbon credits and all this bullshit and run all the porting that is going to be required than you know an individual miner you know in the ozarks so i think that it's about power it's about choking out competition and they just disguise it in this esg narrative which is just complete bullshit and signaling and i really hope that uh Bitcoin is going to be fine. It just might suck for U.S. innovation and U.S. mining. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if mining's really allowed to get a foothold in the U.S. or if it's going to continue to kind of distri- distribute around the world. Yeah, I mean, like you see what 
Elizabeth Warren is saying today, I mean, super shadowy coders and criminals or something like that. That's what Bitcoin is controlled by. Yeah. I think that's they're, they're laying the framework. I mean, they're they're like um trying to set up a softball for themselves. And uh, you know, I'd guarantee you there's gonna be more ransomware attacks, and they're gonna use Bitcoin as the villain here rather than like their shitty it security and um it's like we we already know what's what's expected i think bitcoiners have been thinking about it for a while what their playbook's going to be and i for americans i think it's just like run run your node keep your keys off exchange mix your coins uh run a miner if you can and um do the best you can and hopefully the hopefully the states like we're seeing in texas wyoming putting friendly legislation in place uh, hopefully we'll see the United States as a republic, you know, you see some jurisdictional arbitrage between the states. Hopefully, you know, someone like Texas could tell the federal government to, you know, piss off. You know, we want minors here in this state. And the California and New York will not, and they will suffer from that economically. So hopefully see some of that play out. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a really interesting topic of that, like, uh, local state jurisdictional arbitrage. And we're... We, we've seen that happen where states are banning critical race theory. I don't really know what that all entails, but the one that I found really interesting, Arizona passed a law saying that we're going to be a Second Amendment uh, sanctuary state and will not recognize bans uh, from the federal government. And before we were recording, you're talking about how Texas is looking to pass law on suppressors. Do you think that could be a point of that could eventually lead to balkanization of the United States, uh, potentially? I mean, I feel like the answer is, I'm not advocating this, but I feel like it could definitely happen. Um, I, I do kind of agree with the sovereign individual thesis. Like, I, I think that would make sense. Uh, we, our Bitcoiners believe in decentralization. And uh, I, I think that's inevitable. I really do. But 2020 was eye-opening because um, as you saw a lot of centralization of power, we saw states like Florida and Texas tell the federal government to go fuck themselves. And um, I think Florida flourished, you know, they kind of showed the rest of the nation what was up by not um, doing a lot of the mandates and requirements that the other states were doing. So I'm hopeful that the states will continue to, uh, exercise their sovereignty. So I don't know if like balkanization, if, if your interpreter interpretation of that means like secession, or if we mean, uh, you know, like more of like what the Republic perhaps was originally founded as where um, maybe less emphasis on the federal government. I, I hope that's what we see. I hope it means more power coming back to the States and uh, more power back to the individual. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be fantastic. Every time I go to California, I, I it feels like I'm living in a TSA line is the way I explain <laughs> it to people. You know that if they see people without a mask, I don't even know if it's legal to walk around without a mask. I assume it's not, but if you walk around without one, they're just burning a hole through you with their eyes. And where I live, and I, I went to Florida a couple of times this year, um, it's the opposite way. People with masks 
I feel like I, I stare a hole through them. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, I know this isn't about mask per se, but um, yeah, California just seems like such a foreign land. Somewhere I really don't want to go at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. beautiful. It is. <laughs> I've got some good Bitcoiner friends that are in California and I can't help but think they're suffering from some Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> they need to uh, get the hell out of there. Come to the desert, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing, we're doing cool things in Arizona. Yeah. What's, what's the Bitcoin scene in Arkansas? Like there's no scene. We started a meetup and uh, five people showed up, which is more than I thought. It was our first one. Uh, there was a crypto meetup in Little Rock before the pandemic and all that bullshit. And it probably got like 12 people once a month. But it was so many shit corners. So I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Things started to open up and me and Clancy, my wife, said, let's start Bitcoin only. And we started, five people showed up. Uh, but what was pretty cool is, so to answer your question, not much is happening. But um, I'm optimistic as we continue doing it, more people will show up. And uh, I went to the Max Kaiser Fuck Elon tour down in Austin, nice. which is coming to your neck of the woods yep. pretty soon. Um, it was very cool. It was like a, a mini like circus punk rock show, Bitcoin conference, uh, get drunk party all in one. So I think it was well worth it. And I think you should go. You should be a Bitcoiner there. Anyone who's listening, go to that. I think it, you will have a lot of fun. Um, but I'm, I'm sitting there drinking and I see this big, tall dude walk by with a, a Razorback, uh, polo on. So I'm like, what are the chances that the guy is at this Bitcoin meetup and he has a Razorback polo and I don't know him. So I went and met him anyway. He's a hardcore Bitcoiner up in Northwest Arkansas. And we're going to do a Bitcoin meetup up in, uh, like Fayetteville where the Razorbacks are. So I'm very optimistic on the scene, although it is tiny. Arkansas is a tiny state as it is. So, um, it's better than nothing. Yeah, one of the things that I've been finding surprising is how many lone wolves there are on Bitcoin. People that are just like super orange pilled and are kind of off in their their own little um, thing. That that's why meetups are so special and conferences because it confirms you're not crazy, and it confirms you're not alone. And when you get to meet with other Bitcoiners in person. Uh, the sparks fly. You feel confirmation bias. <laughs> You're not nuts, man. I think it's a really great thing. But yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of them out there, man, just kind of doing their thing. And Twitter's kind of like, Twitter's probably their Bitcoin brotherhood. Yeah, I find it super interesting. I was doing that for a while, uh, probably for a couple of years. And uh, it's definitely not as fun as getting together with people. Yeah, I mean, we're social things, we're social creatures, and uh, getting together uh, is special. And what I found is whenever you get all Bitcoiners together, sure, you talk shop for a while, but then you just get down to relationships and, you know, increase your, you know, knowing of that person, and you walk away just a lot more fulfilled. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, so yeah, you've been a part of helping people uh, buy Bitcoin miners to mine at home. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what influenced you to to do that and why that's an important thing? 
Sure. Yeah. So um, this big, great mining exodus from China kind of motivated me to get uh, a miner for myself. I kept hearing that miners were cheap. Miners were on sale because hash rates leave in China. And um, so that on top of hearing a couple of good talks, like earlier this year at Guns and Bitcoin in Austin, saw a great presentation by Econo Alchemist, who made a fantastic case for home mining. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to him. And then uh, Diverter on uh, No KYC Diverter, he wrote a fantastic paper called Mining in the Streets that he published in 2020. And it pretty much showed you how to get started mining with the S9. Um, so I was familiar with both those resources and, the, and then the big China exodus happened. And it was kind of like, all right, well, if they're available, let's see if we can go get them. So I reached out to um, Kaboom Racks, who is a broker for mining supplies. And I asked, you know, hey, we want to get some S9s. And they said there's like minimum order quantity 60. And I don't have the money or interest in buying 60 S9s. So we start, just started kind of like kicking the idea around. And it turned out the dirt bags, amongst them alone, I think there was like 40 of them bought. So then all I had to sell was 60 on or 20 on Twitter. We ended up selling 108. So anyway, I, I was interested in getting my hands on one. Um, so I can't tell you firsthand what it's like running an S9. I'm still waiting. I'm expecting delivery uh, this weekend from, um, I'm getting a pallet of S9s are gonna be coming straight to my house and we're gonna be shipping them out to everyone from that first batch. But I was motivated to uh, spread the hash rate, get your hands on. I mean, I run nodes, I ran a GPU mining rig um, all through last year and for a couple of years mining Ethereum. But if this opportunity presents itself, like let's do it, let's spread out the hash rate. Everyone should have miner at the house. Right now it's profitable. If it's not profitable after the next halving, okay, who cares? It was, it was kind of, it's, it's fun to get your hands dirty and learn more about the network. And I think that people, once they get their hands on one rig, they're gonna want more and they're gonna want more hash rate. And I think that will just be kind of like a virus. I think that we're gonna see a lot more uh, home mining being stood up. I think there's arbitrage opportunities um, for home mining that people aren't super aware of. So I, I'm very bullish on it, motivated just to get your hands dirty, spread out the hash rate, keep it here in the US. Um, and it is just kind of neat to organize something uh, for Bitcoiners. Uh, I made, made no money off that. I'm, I think it might be a little bit negative per order just to get all the shipping supplies and shipping and everything mailed out to people. But uh, real excited. And we just closed batch two. So we sold through another hundred um, over the weekend. And we'll probably do one, I don't know, next month. So I don't know, like once a month, cool to organize one of these because I like to pick up one or two of these S9s myself every time. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I'm in the middle of a move right now. So I wasn't able to get my order filed. They sold yeah, out fast. I, yeah, they sold out really fast. Uh, people want the miners, but I was told, I keep getting told there are thousands and thousands and thousands of S9s available and they're very profitable right now. I don't think that'll last forever, but if you have cheap or free energy, they will be profitable forever. Yeah. Kind of on the topic of Ethereum mining. Yeah. Have you participated in any uh, reorgs? 
No, I'm, I'm not like super technical. Like I've never got to like play the game on like Heath classic or anything like that. Um, interesting. I, I had sold, I had a like 10 GPU mining rig and I sold that in, I think March this year when price was just screaming and a guy drove, I posted on Facebook for sale and the guy came and bought it from probably like eight hours away. He came same day and I recovered 100% of the cost of that. And I built it in 2018. So I fully recovered all my cost that I sunk into the mining rig. So he's buying old GPUs and uh, it, was pretty, it was a neat experience learning about mining rigs, mining pools, all that. I was mining ETH and dumping it for Bitcoin immediately. Uh, but I'm more excited to get my hands on some ASICs and just do some pure Bitcoin mining. Yeah. Sounds like that. Snine's a gateway drug. I think so. I mean, they're so cheap. Although last right now they're listed between three and 400 bucks. Um, I think 300 has gone now. The demand's just, there's none available that cheap. So um, they were going as low as like $25. That's this time last year. Insane. They were literally giving away S9s last year. Of course, no one gave a shit. So that's why they were so cheap. Yeah. That, that's like one of my biggest regrets was I was looking at mining rigs a few years ago and they were, the S9s were a fraction of what they are today. Yeah, that it's insane. Fantastic. I was living somewhere with free power and I thought that would have been a great opportunity, but. Yeah. Could have, would have, should have, man. It sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least I was stacking hard. <laughs> That's the other trade-off, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, I didn't realize you were at the Guns and Bitcoin conference. It's a bummer we didn't bump into each other. Yeah. I actually I had the wife. We brought our chihuahua. It was a good time. So one of the things that Skeef says is that chihuahuas are fiat dogs. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, everyone is entitled to bad opinions. So, uh, our dog is great. Every, uh, every person who shits on my dog and meets it in person loves it. And uh, Skeef's a hater. I'm sure he was cuddled up with her. He came to Plebs Giving last year at our house in Arkansas. So I know that he got some good time with Tinkerbell. That's awesome. Yeah. I like that. He's name. a liar. That's great. Yeah. Guns and Bitcoin was awesome, though. Um, what'd you think? I enjoyed it. I, I didn't enjoy all the Monero talk that was going on. I think that was my biggest complaint. Um, I feel like some of the conversation around Bitcoin was a little bit misrepresented. I was, I was really interested in the 3D gun printing stuff, and that's primarily why I went. Um, yeah. And it was cool to see Cody Wilson in person. It was cool to uh, – um, I, I talked with the Atlas Arm guys quite a bit with um, Suckboy Tony and – Austin Jones at the gun range. And that was, uh, I had a lot of fun shooting Jeff Rodriguez's homemade shotgun. Cause I love shotguns. Um, yeah, That thing is nasty looking. It's yeah. I, I, I think that's, I just think it's super cool. Um, I didn't know anybody uh, that was going, uh, the people I knew weren't able to make it. And so I just walked in, bumped into somebody at the hotel. We hung out for the whole weekend and it was a blast. Hell yeah. I think uh, it was, I, it met my expectations perfectly. It was perfectly weird, perfectly small, uh, cypherpunk, very privacy focused, very like freedom loving. Um, you know, Ragnar kind of says it's it's a freedom technology conference. And I felt like 
it checked those two boxes big time. Yeah. I think the two communities are very complementary. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish more Bitcoiners were into the 3D gun printing movement and vice versa. I wish more gun guys were into Bitcoin and running nodes. And I think they will intersect over time. Um, you, We did see some of the gun community be deplatformed for selling various parts. You know, if they have anything that is gun related, sometimes they'll be deplatformed from like a Shopify or payment processor like PayPal. And, you know, BTC Pay is here, you know, <laughs> Bitcoin is here. And um, they're just, they're both code. I mean, code is speech and code is freedom. Speech is free. So I think that they both have this uh, very similar fight that we're fighting and that they'll come around. The problem is that Bitcoiners love their sats so much and gun guys love their guns so much that it's tough to get either one to um, pick up a new hobby. That's what I think. But the way that we're trending both seem like they're good stores of value. Yeah, I'd agree um, for sure. <laughs> I don't know if you try to buy ammo in the past 12 months. It's awful. It's really tough. I hate Democrats. I, I'm pretty apolitical, but Dem- whenever Democrats in office, it's impossible to find ammo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Yeah. Skeef and I were talking shotgun or sorry. I bought an AK-47 for $400 in like 2013-14. Today, they're going for like a couple grand. Um, Insane. Yeah. It's And then you can't like get all the different AKs um, because they banned the imports from Russia. Have you been following um, Ivan's project, the Plastikov? Yeah. Insane. Print a lower. I haven't priced out the upper parts, but I assume they're available somewhere. What what uh, what stuff have you played around with and printed? Uh, I've printed a Mac Daddy. Nice. And I've got the full kit built, and I literally have a welding machine in my garage, and I've never turned it on to weld the parts for the um, FGC nine. I'm such a lazy piece of shit. I need to like go turn it on today. Um, I built a couple uh, Glock lowers and assembled some Glocks, which are awesome. I ordered the, I've got the 30 round mags and I ordered springs for inside of them in January from the Glock store and they still haven't come. So I might have to look elsewhere. I've been patiently waiting on 30 round springs, but I've got a couple 30 round mags, but it'd be cool to just properly build one at my house for, you know, a fraction of the cost. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing what they're doing. I, I'm not very knowledgeable on 3D printing because I haven't... Oh. Oh, nice. That's the Mac Daddy. I just stuck with... Yeah, that's the Mac Daddy. That thing is sweet looking. Yeah, neon green and black. Looks pretty dope. You know, they have the butt. They give it all like the, the collapsible foldy thing. That's what they call it. Have you shot it yet? No, I can't find nine millimeter ammo. I swear to you. Really? Yeah. I went to uh academy and they had forties. They didn't have any nine millimeter. So I'm, I'm, I've had that built for a month and a half. It took forever for the wind chimes to come in, but they finally came in. Um, it looks badass, and I'm, I'm sure it'll shoot. 
it uh you know firing pin works so i think i think i got a winner here and that was printed in pla plus it was pla plus i did so i don't know if you're up to it they are now have printable trigger assemblies oh wow yeah so that's kind of a new innovation in the past probably three or four months but the so but i have an ar-15 trigger kit in it uh, but it's so it's so rad what they're doing i mean they're just taking the best most common parts and mashing them together like you know we've got a glock mag you know you build a magazine and now you can start building guns around the magazine air 15 trigger and then a mac 11 upper i mean absolutely insane and then you you've got <laughs> i don't know did you see the uh 1911 hybrid that they built I think I saw something about it, but I didn't look into it. It's, it looks so ridiculous. It's literally like a 1911 on front. It's like a 1911 sitting up here in front of the like trigger group. It takes an AR-15 uh, trigger assembly and grip, but they attach a 1911 on top. And then they put a like 16-inch barrel on the front of it. So they've made like a rifle out of a 1911 pistol. And then they put all kind of accessories like additional magazine grips and classable stocks and shit. I mean, the the 3D gun guys are insane in a good way. Yeah. So I think like probably some of the people listening have no idea what we're talking about. So PLA plus is like the most basic uh, printing uh, uh, material. Is that right? Yeah. PLA plus super common plastic um it's a higher strength and higher temperature than just pla that's why it's pla plus mm -hmm. but you can get a roll of it for like 23 bucks and really all you need to get started with 3d printing uh they kind of recommend the ender 3 which you can is a uh, 3d printer kit made in china uh it'll come unassembled and you can get it delivered to your house for less than 250 bucks so if you can Assemble and node, you can assemble it under three. And all you have to do is download the files, uh, level your print bed, and then hit print. And you can start printing parts for whatever you want. Print node parts, print gun parts, print little baby Yodas, whatever you want. Pretty straightforward. But I mean, to get all in, you know, less than 300 bucks and you've got a 3D printer and you can start printing meaningful things. But you're going to want more filament because you're going to love printing when you get started. Yeah. And then how long would it take to to print something like the Mac Daddy that you're showing? Yeah, the Mac Daddy, um, that's a long print. That one probably took um, close to like 30 hours. So they don't just like hit print and they just pop out. It's a very tedious uh, process. If you've never seen it, if you think a hot glue gun, but on like an XYZ axis, but a really small bead instead of like a hot glue gun is like a big glob of glue. We're talking a like 0.2 millimeter dot. So I think a really fine point like Sharpie, that but a little bit smaller. And that's the hot glue that we're talking about going on an X, Y, and Z axis. So it takes a long time to print these things, but um, you know, you can print a gun at your house. It just takes time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's incredible. I mean, it's one of the, the, the guns at Bitcoin conference is great. And I highly suggest it for anybody, you know, because you'll be able to see these guns in 
person and potentially shoot them as well. And it's a lot of fun to shoot them. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's a huge deal, uh, for what we're seeing right now (laughs) with just the incredible tyranny, especially outside of the United States, like the U S for the most part, except for actually pretty much everywhere. We're pretty saturated with firearms. Um, and we have a good culture around that, but I just like, we're it. Yeah. Everywhere else has, you know, state overreach, the restriction of firearms and a lot of places you can't own any kind of firearm. So, um, you probably already saw it, but the mini documentary called plastic defense, it was put out earlier this year. It's a 30 minute movie on YouTube and it goes live to central Europe and it talks with the creator of the FGC nine, which is a completely make it home semi-automatic gun. All the parts you can get from a hardware store and the components you can print with a 3D printer. Uh, but it was developed by a guy named Jay Stark in the middle of who knows where Central Europe, where there are no gun rights. You cannot own guns. And he's in the middle of there fighting the tyranny and developing and building these guns. And you love to see it. Um, you know, like the American idea of liberty and the individual is being exported thanks to uh, cryptography in the age of information. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely fantastic. One of the things that's kind of funny when, when people post things on, on Twitter about guns in the U S is how uh, people from the UK, like the, the documentary that you're referencing, Jake Hanrahan, who did it. Yeah. I, he's a pretty cool guy. I've had him on my podcast. Um, but I think he's got an awful take on guns and he has kind of a negative slant. Why, why do you think that's so unique to the United States in regards to gun laws? Man, I, I don't know. I think it just goes back to the founding and the founders, you know, they came from, this is just my opinion, <laughs> but I, I think they were, uh, they knew what was respond, what was needed uh, to enforce you know, the Bill of Rights. I mean, they, they knew that you couldn't have free speech without being a, able to arm yourself. That's why they put, made the Second Amendment. First Amendment is pointless without the second. Um, so I, I just think that they, they knew what was up. They came from an oppressive place. They saw what the crown was doing and they just kicked it off. And from there, they fucking ran with it. And I mean, kind of here we are today. I don't, they, their minds will be blown at the way that this country is being run today and what people, the way that so many Americans just bend the knee and don't, don't take care of themselves and don't fight for liberty for the individual. So I don't know. I'm so glad they did it. What, I mean, what are your thoughts? Why do you think it's part of our culture? I don't know. I was, I was asking because I have no idea. But um, I, I think I it's just part feel... of the DNA of the country. Yeah. I mean, I've lived outside of the U.S. a little bit. Um, and I'm fairly well traveled and, uh, you know, there's some things that are massively concerning to me that are happening here. And I think the idea of leaving just based on the idea of not being able to own firearms is absolutely terrifying. Um, especially like, uh, with how dangerous things are outside of the United States. And it's just like, we watched what's happening in in South Africa, we saw, you know, society break down over the summer in the United States, 2020, like things can just go awry super, super quick. quick. And the state's not going to be there to protect you. And, you know, just 
day-to-day living in the United in Tucson, you know, the state's not there to protect you, you know, because you could, you could have somebody shooting in your front yard, call the cops and they might not show up for 30 minutes to an hour. Um, and I, th- I think that's just such a, you know, bad concept. Um, but I, th- I think what it comes down to is just like, uh, people don't know what they've never experienced before and have these kind of preconceived notions. But I, d- I just find it really strange, especially people that are freedom oriented, um, like Jay Canrahan, for example, like this guy did a badass documentary where he was in Baghdad, you know, watching people get massacred by the state, you know, just shot. And, and to think that the state should have a monopoly on owning firearms and, and violence and they're the most corrupt, you know, individuals and have unchecked power. It just seems so backwards to me. So just from that standpoint, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> well, and you, and you don't have to ever think it makes sense. Like, fuck that. <laughs> you know, like that does not make sense. So uh, I don't think you're crazy. Yeah. I love Cody Wilson's uh, response. Um, he was being interviewed by a journalist and he said, um, I reject the premise or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's here. We're not going to have a discussion of, of its morality because you can't change it. Um, you know, something it was like that. such a flex at interview clip. He, I reached out to him to do an interview for uh, Bitcoin magazine and uh, he accepted, but I, I pumped the brakes on it because I wanted to take a video crew down there. Cause I don't, I don't want to just do a, a zoom pod with Cody Wilson, like Cody Wilson. He's one of the founders of Nakamoto Institute. Like <laughs> he was there with Pierre and Goldstein. I want that to be on fucking video, you know, like let's go shoot, shoot some shit and eat some barbecue. So I'm that's I'm putting that in the hopper to make higher quality. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, that'll be. I haven't. Yeah, he's definitely a hero to me for sure. Yeah, he's badass. His presentation at Guns of Bitcoin was killer. Yeah, politics. They're fake. They're gay. Uh, they're gay. <laughs> fake. <laughs> yeah, the the post politics. It, that was definitely like kind of a pivotal moment for me. I mean, I, I'm definitely like on this learning journey and I, you know, like to admit it that I don't have the answers. I'm just trying to search, you know, and find what's true. And, uh, um, but yeah, this past year has been pretty transformative with, for me from going from kind of like a classical liberal of thinking, you know, we need to limit the state to kind of feeling like the state is illegitimate just based on their actions. <laughs> We all have a journey. I don't know where I am either. Um, I hate the state. The state hates you. I know that much. So let's take the power away. Yeah. Yeah. And the power of the individual is incredibly important. So yeah. What's your kind of outlook for the next couple of years of where we're going? Uh, We're going to the moon for one. Uh, I'm so bullish on Bitcoin and Bitcoiners um, to just, I don't know, got in the space, only like got really serious about caring about Bitcoin in 2018. So it's a pretty small window of time. Well, I guess it's kind of big when you think Bitcoin's only 12 years old, but um, to see how far we've come in that short time is pretty amazing. So I'm super bullish on the builders, on the Bitcoiners. And um, I'm, I'm very optimistic person. 
So I think that the state is going to continue down its, uh, its march of tyranny. I think it's going to continue to expand its power. It's going to continue to destroy itself through inflation. Um, they're going to roll out their surveillance currency and it's going to piss people off. And um, Bitcoin's going to be there waiting on us and it's going to keep chugging along. And I think that we mentioned jurisdictional arbitrage. I think that we'll see it here in the States. Um, but I, I'm super, super confident that Bitcoin will prevail. It's the right side of history. Bitcoin is the light in this darkness of the world right now. Um, and I, I have to believe that the, the light will shine through. I love that. I yeah. could be wrong, but fuck that. I'm all in. Yeah. It's way more fun being a Bitcoiner and having an optimistic outlook. You look on uh, fucking Facebook or talk to any friends and they're, they're fucking terrified. Bitcoiners front run everything. We're paranoid. Uh, we're prepared. We're prepped. And um, we're loaded up and we're ready for a fight. And um, this, it, I couldn't think of a better group of people to uh, be in the trenches with. 100% agree. I think this is another reason why Bitcoin meetups are incredibly important. And I have made a major, you know, commitment to if we go back to lockdowns, we're not going to stop the meetups. We're going to continue to meet up in person. We're going to support businesses that don't bend the knee and Hell yeah. be demoralized. So uh, that means in-person meetups at friendly businesses for Bitcoin. Yeah. And it, there are friendly businesses. If there aren't friendly businesses, then, well, I, I wouldn't say there, there may be not friendly necessarily to Bitcoin in the sense of they're accepting Bitcoin uh, because businesses can accept Bitcoin and still require you to wear a mask, but you know, they're businesses that are willing to stand up against the state's tyranny and, you know, not bend the knee and put themselves in the, the crosshairs to um, continue to do bit business and operate i want to support people like that it's tough i mean cancel culture is real mm -hmm. i can't imagine as a small business owner being on the receiving end of some of that bullshit mm -hmm. and um you know it's out there you know like god can you just imagine an army of karens yelling at you about like letting people in without a mask it just it'd be so draining so cheers to the people fighting that good fight yeah, let's patronize those people. Let's take our money there. We we had a coffee shop in, in Tucson where the employees and the employees' kids were getting death threats because they refused to enforce the strict mask mandates. I was uh, real pleased here in Arkansas. Uh, Starbucks was so hardcore, as you can imagine. Baristas are masked up. And uh, every time I go in, they would just yell at me, excuse me, sir they would make me put one of their disposables on and I would do it. And uh, then I went weeks later and it was gone that, you know, the government was like, yeah, you can't make people. So I knew that it was like, yes, fuck those baristas. We don't have to wear a damn mask. But yeah, I can't believe death threats, man. That's insane. Yeah. I don't, I've never really understand that culture where people feel that angry, you know, to do that to somebody. It's like uh, if you don't conform to their ideology, they want to bring violence to you. Mm -hmm. And our ideology is like 
do what you fucking want. Don't mess with my property or my life and you're okay. It's weird. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but this has been something that's been going on uh, for a very, very long time. And it's interesting to like see it flip where like the right used to be the totalitarians in in the country. Like when, when you look back at what's going on with like Nixon, the FBI and um, you know, the Vietnam war uh, and the left was really on the, on the side. And I guess this is a poor framing of it in the sense of like right versus left, because that's just, you know, a construct to divide and conquer. Yeah. Um, But seeing it flip where uh, the left is the totalitarians, you know, an establishment, it's kind of a weird flip that happened really quickly. So. It is strange. I mean, I, I feel, um, I got big into politics back when Ron Paul was running and, um, obviously he got no airtime, no coverage. And he was like that voice of freedom that kind of brought me to like Austrian econ, libertarianism, et cetera. And then like, after that I was completely just like, fuck this politics is a scam. But, um, I don't know. This last election was insane. Absolutely insane to watch. Didn't participate in it, but man, the the whole, the whole game is rigged and uh, (laughs) it's all, it's all kept up by the Ponzi scheme of the dollar, you know, which is a total scam. So if you go, if you go back to first principles, it's the money, stupid, you know, fix the money, fix the world. That's the way I believe it. So if you put good money in place, they can't do any of this bullshit. So that's a reason I'm such an ardent, hardcore Bitcoiner. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. What was what was the moment where you kind of that clicked for you? About Bitcoin, or? The, the idea of fixing the money, fix the fix the world, and how Bitcoin fits into that. I don't know, man. I was I was like a a gold bug type before Bitcoin, um, before Bitcoin even existed, and. Uh, totally dismiss Bitcoin. Like, Oh, you can't just print money out of the fucking thin air. You know, everyone has a regret story, right? How they regret dismissing Bitcoin, but it took a long time. It wasn't until like 18. Um, and it was like Pierre and Goldstein. It was like, okay, this is a familiar language. They're talking about Austrian economics. So I was like, gave them a lot more attention and they're talking about Bitcoin, how it is, fulfills the Austrian vision, how it can like fulfill the libertarian dreams and ideals. And uh, they're the ones, those two guys are the ones who kind of open my eyes. So probably like Q1, 18, that's when I was like, this is the fucking way. And I was like all in from that moment on. Yeah. Yeah. Those two guys are so damn powerful. (laughs) I haven't seen much of Pierre recently. I don't know if he... When yeah, I'm, he changed his name oh. on uh, Twitter. It's Bitcoin is saving. Oh. oh, okay. Now I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. I was talking to someone about, let's say the uh, 2021 Bitcoiners. You know, this new class. Would they even know Pierre is? I would say not unless they've read the uh, hyper or uh, the um, speculative attack article. They probably wouldn't. No Pierre. Yeah. 
2021 is definitely like an interesting year to get into Bitcoin for sure. I got it in 18 too. It's good that it, I'm glad that you, uh, you said that it's a weird time to get in right during the, the beginning of the bear market. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I accumulated a bunch of shit coin and Bitcoin from the bull run and I was sitting on it and the shit coins just kept devaluing a lot faster than the Bitcoin. So I kept selling them into like keep my Bitcoin because it was holding the most value faster than the others. And then uh, thank God for Bitcoin Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Bitcoin Twitter, I, th- I think is one of the most important places to be right now. You just learn so much good stuff on there. Yeah. And like, uh, it's like th- there's Bitcoiners who specialize in like any, any topic. So it's like, I'm not saying they're the smartest people ever, but they're adversarial thinkers. So they're super critical of everything. And you can see there's some Bitcoiners on both sides of the vaccine, which is great because you get to see both sides from Bitcoiners. You know, we have this shelling point called Bitcoin. We kind of all agree on that. So it allows us to have critical conversation on other things um, without just throwing temper tantrums. So I think, yeah, Bitcoin Twitter, super high signal. If you're not on there, get on there and uh, join the battle. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You got anything to shill? What should I shill? Bitcoin Magazine. I work at Bitcoin Magazine. You should read it. Uh, I think that Bitcoin Magazine is like, we're back. I think we're important. I think uh, we are like the tip of the spear for spreading the message of Bitcoin. Um, But I mean, there's other places too that are great. But, you know, we're not like a, a shitcoin publication. We're Bitcoin only at this point, which was not the case several years ago they kind of dabbled in the dark arts but we found our way bitcoin only uh we've got a conference coming up in q1 next year location to be announced so it'll be bitcoin 2022 i'm jacked about that we've got a massive announcement that's coming up but i can't say what it is i told you what it is before we started recording and i'm super excited about that let's say if you're listening check out our newsletter bitcoinmagazine.com slash subscribe it's daily and it essentially just covers all of the articles that we're publishing. And we've got some just absolute bangers. I think the best writing in Bitcoin right now is happening on Bitcoin Magazine. I agree. I'm proud of that. And uh, I think that just our trajectory over the next 12 months is going to be insane. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I'm anticipating the uh, announcement of where the next conference is going to be. Yeah. I think we're down to a couple, like a handful of cities. Miami, of course, is on there. I think Austin's on there. Um, they've been kicking around an idea for a West Coast one. So Miami was good to us. It'll probably be there, but it's not certain. Um, I think it just depends on location and timing. So that shit's not settled yet, man. I wish that they'd pick a location because Q1 will be here pretty quick, man. We're in Q3 right now. It's like, do we like to put ourselves through pain? organizing conferences very quickly i think the answer is yes but um keep an eye out it'll be here before you know it i think oh other things i might show if you care about 3d printing guns check out i made a, a website of resources if you go to guns.team uh, it's a github website and it's got a, a bunch of great resources that i found over the years so uh yeah check that out buy a 3d printer and print some guns it's a lot of fun I, I I have to do that. 
I heard that I'm not a real Bitcoiner if I'm not printing guns. I heard that's a thing. That is a thing. That's what we say. If you have a 3D printer, that's what you say. Yeah. And then once you get one, then you can start saying it. Yeah. I, I want to be in this club. <laughs> yeah. Got You're going to love it though. I mean, you can print whatever the hell you want. You're going to have your little Raspberry Pi looking really good pretty soon too. Yeah. I, I definitely need to upgrade my Pi cases. They're pretty lame. <laughs> They're just like the generic whatever I got online. Yeah. Yeah. Crypto Cloaks does some pretty cool stuff with that. He's a legend. He's got metal cases now too. He's in, he's doing great stuff. Oh dang, that's awesome. Yeah. But where where can people follow your work? Uh, hey, hit me up on Twitter underscore Joe Rogers. I'm there. Slide my DMs. DMs are open. I love talking to Bitcoiners. If you have any questions, hit me up. I will definitely talk to you. Probably too much. And um, I was hey, final advice would be uh, if you're out there just kind of lurking, haven't found your community. Uh, you know, you get what you put in. So get out there and just try to meet some Bitcoiners in real life. And uh, if you don't have a meetup in your city, consider starting one. Yes. And if you live in a really small place, try it anyway, and then go to the nearest big city because I bet they have one and try to go to a conference, try to meet Bitcoiners in real life because I think that'll be real fulfilling. And if all that still fails and you don't want to meet Bitcoiners in person, uh, slide in DMs, comment on Twitter. Like you will find community. You just have to go seek it out. And I think that uh, is a good thing. I think um, we, we're we social creatures and we need, we need brotherhood and interaction. 100%. I'm super bullish on the idea of rural Bitcoin meetups. I... Yeah, it'll be a thing. I know some uh, fellas up in like Iowa and they're like, setting them up as we speak yeah i've got a buddy up in wisconsin that that does one small town i mean it's just so much closer to you know building a citadel pretty much because people living rural used to tend to be a little bit more self-sufficient and i think the benefit of having a circular economy of bitcoin users in a rural area would be absolutely fantastic i actually have a uh a white paper i'll send you after this but i'm going to summarize it and i'm probably going to bastardize it but it's a white paper about building community-based like citadels it's not necessarily about bitcoin but it's just talking about like very hardcore localism uh but i think it ties in nicely with the whole bitcoin citadel one of the guys in owls lacrosse uh dirtbag friday was talking about it yeah i'd look forward to that because that's something i'm actively trying to do right now so it's it's happening I think it's important. It's going to happen. Yeah. Stay optimistic. Yeah. Refuse to get demoralized. Yeah. Life is really good. Blocks keep propagating. There's idiots out there in the world, but hey, you're not alone. You're you're a Bitcoiner. You're not alone. Yeah. The mob doesn't matter. No, hell no. Well, thanks for coming on, Joe. Really appreciate it. Yeah, brother. Thank you. I appreciate your time. That was a really fun conversation with Joe. Definitely enjoyed uh, meeting him for the first time. I've seen him online all over the place for a while now, following some of the stuff that he's done. Uh, But it was good to get him on the podcast, and you'll probably see more of him on Toxic Airwaves or, uh, you know, maybe back on this podcast. Uh, But yeah, the 3D gun printing stuff is so cool. 
And I think, you know, his message of being optimistic on the future is incredibly important right now. You know, it seems like they want us to be demoralized and they want us to just give up, you know, and quit fighting. And ultimately, you know, liberty is incredibly important and we're not losing this battle. If anything, we are winning as their narrative is falling apart and, you know, as people are really, you know, embracing freedom. You know, it's just so apparent. People are getting destroyed by inflation. They're getting destroyed by uh, government policies that are just stupid and awful. Uh, And people are seeing Bitcoin as a solution. It's something to be incredibly excited about that we have a tool like this that is so incredibly powerful. Uh, But yeah, hope you enjoyed this episode and have a good one.